This is the POV Hamilton podcast, where we're sharing the Hamilton, Ontario point of view from businesses and entrepreneurship to life sciences and education to arts, culture and media. Hamilton is thriving and there are countless stories to be shared of the people, businesses and organizations making it happen. Here's whose point of view you'll be listening to today. My name is Jim Cotton. I'm a professor at McMaster University. Uh, and I work in energy uh, systems related to decarbonizing our uh, energy futures. My research focuses on harvesting energy within our community. Uh, there's a lot of residual heat. We used to call it waste heat. And this heat is useful for heating our homes, our buildings, uh, but we have to find a way to capture it, store it, and then repurpose it. So when we go to a community, if you think of, say, a grocery store or an arena, that is continuously wasting heat out of cooling towers out back. Well, why wouldn't you use that and connect it to a building next door and share that energy? And that's my goal. Um, so what we're doing is creating community energy systems, an integration of a number of distributed energy resources that fit together. And right now we're using engines, for example, natural gas engines. We're using that as peaking power plants as opposed to a centralized peaking power plant. Um, if we are able to do that, we can do it far more efficiently than the centralized approach. So the future of our energy systems is moving towards a decentralized strategy. So we'll still have the central approach, but we'll move towards a decentralization of a number of different assets. If you, we look at what's happening in the research community, there's an awful lot of research happening on small modular reactors. Um, and we have to plan for that because eventually what we'll do is we'll replace the current technologies with things like fuel cells or SMRs as they become more mature and their technology readiness level hits uh, the, the price point that we can replace those technologies. So when we're designing community energy systems, we have to plan for that. And that's what my research is, is all about, is looking at these community systems, building them towards decarbonization and creating this pathway to totally uh, net zero carbon. So the impact of our research is really focusing on the integration of our electrical system, our thermal system, which right now is primarily natural gas, and our vehicle integration of electric vehicles. When we put all of these uh, technologies together, you have the opportunity to optimize and share and work together uh, to, the, to that end. Um, that all happens within our community. So we've developed these community energy systems that are modular. When I say modular, Basically, it's like a car. So you have your car that's 250 kilowatts. You have your car that's one megawatt. You have your car that's 1.5 megawatts. And we've designed these so that they can go all over um, Ontario, for example, or, or Canada. Right now, our focus has been on, on Ontario. Um, what we've identified is when you place these in the right location, you can harvest residual heat from different processes, from industrial processes, uh, from cooling processes, uh, from data centers, and repurpose that in the community. You can integrate peaking power plants that are small and modular into the community and reduce carbon by as much as 60 to 70%. And that's right now with existing technology. Uh, we've also identified, if you sort of look at that picture and look at the modularity of that, we've identified over 1,100 sites in Ontario alone that we can locate these energy uh, integration systems, integrated energy systems. Altogether, that basically brings us right in line with our 2030 targets. Now, going forward 10 years from 15 years from now, when this is near its end of life, 
what do we replace it with? We need to plan for that. So we could plan for bio CHPs. We could plan for hydrogen uh, combined heat power systems, CHPs, or SMR technologies. Um, they will all fit into the picture. Uh, there is no silver bullet. Some communities may be able to uh, use bio because they have bio in the uh, biofuels in their region. Others may be more open to having SMR technology. That's our goal to make it flexible enough that the primary assets of the system, the distribution systems uh, of the thermal and the electrical have reusable life. And then you replace some of the technologies to go all the way to net zero carbon. The way that post-secondary institutions are responding to the transition to net zero carbon are a number of different opportunities. The first is training of students. Our students have been brought up understanding that climate change is a reality and needs to be addressed. Okay, So we've got a number of graduate students that come into our research labs. They work with us and they become the change makers. Number one, I would say that's our job. Um, we're also working with a number of different industry partners. Right now, there isn't a low carbon industry per se, like there is the automotive sector or there is the oil and gas sector. So to do that, what we've created is a cooperative of 20 smaller partners to do big projects. So our goal is to develop private public partnerships um, where you have the municipality working with local uh, companies, uh, local energy providers to create an energy solution overall. That's our research. Um, but our research is also to inform government. So we have to work with policymakers, we have to work with leaders, we have to explain that there are different options to achieve this. And, and you'll see a number of different universities will respond to um, different calls for information, uh, for investment uh, in the future, for sort of the, where are we going to 2050 towards low carbon uh, society. So we have to respond to those calls. Um, and, and part of those responses is acting as a leader ourselves in transitioning our campuses to low carbon or net zero carbon. Um, and we can be the demonstration projects. We can be the first commercialization projects for those type of initiatives. Um, and that's something that we're actively doing here at McMaster University. We're working towards plans of decarbonizing our heating systems, uh, transforming our thermal networks, possibly integrating our existing uh, re nuclear reactor and using the thermal energy from that to heat our buildings. Um, but also as we move to new buildings, how do we make them like this one, which is very sustainable? Every other building on campus is heated by steam. This building here is heated by low temperature water. So in-floor heating. Um, and so we can use waste heat from the reactor. We could use solar thermal energy. Uh, we can use waste heat from this engine to heat this building. And that's actually what we do. Uh, so this, is a, this itself is a living lab. Specifically here at McMaster, we're looking at developing a pathway to a low carbon or net zero campus. Um, there's a number of things we need to do. We have to look at our thermal distribution system, which is a high temperature steam system, and look at replacing that where we can with a lower temperature distribution network. That gives us the opportunity to tap into resources that we actually have on campus. We can use our CHP system that we have to heat buildings. We can actually even use our existing nuclear reactor, which is a five megawatt reactor, to heat buildings within the near region of that reactor. Or we could look at future SMR technology when it becomes ready 
for commercial projects. We have the expertise on campus to house uh, SMR. We have the emergency systems. We have the track record of housing a reactor for 60 years. We have all of the expertise from the research on nuclear to isotope research um, to, to bring that all in place at McMaster University. Some of the key challenges that the innovation corridor is gonna face as we do transition to low carbon or net zero carbon are the infrastructure challenge of we have this existing infrastructure in place. We have a centralized electricity system that basically has nuclear power plants, uh, Niagara Falls, we have uh, gas, natural gas fired power plants. They're all very large and centralized. Um, as we decarbonize our heating systems, as we decarbonize our vehicle transportation systems, that's gonna increase the amount of electricity two to five fold, depending on how we do it. Are we gonna increase more central? The, I don't think so. I think we're gonna have decentralized energy systems in combination of, with what we already have. So now we have to move to distributed energy resources. How do you manage that? That's gonna be a huge initiative where we have our local distribution companies now becoming distributed system operators, okay? So they're gonna be working with the independent electricity system operator, the ISO, but they'll be managing the community, the assets within the community. May it be your solar panel on your house, may it be your Tesla down the street, or may it be your, your heat pumps in your, in your building, or maybe it's even bigger. Maybe it's a, a CHP system. Maybe eventually it's an SMR system, but it has to be managed to meet the demands. Um, a lot of that's gonna be done through um, modeling, uh, research design, um, but we're also looking at the opportunity around machine learning and AI to do some of the predictive uh, capabilities. This building itself has a bi-directional electric vehicle integrated into it. That vehicle is now working in tandem with solar panels to basically levelize the grid. So if a cloud goes by, the solar energy goes down, we can use the batteries of the vehicle to levelize that distribution of electricity to the building. If, for example, we have a power outage, that gives us resiliency as well. So the, the key element right now is how do we transform our system from a very centralized approach to a decentralized approach? The second element is on the industrial scale. Industries across the, across the country are looking at how do we decarbonize? How do we reduce our dependence on oil, gas, coal? Um, and as they do that, there's opportunities to a, either make them more efficient drastically, um, transform their technologies to create uh, zero coal steel, or maybe just work with them to harvest their waste energy, give them carbon credits, for example, or pay them for their energy. It's not waste anymore. Now it's a residual energy and then give that to the community. So what system do we develop to transform our thermal distribution system from natural gas to possibly pipes in the ground uh, with heat pumps that now we share this energy? I call it the uberfication of the electricity sector, where you're gonna have prosumers and consumers, and they're going to be doing financial transactions related to energy that they either consume or they produce and how does that get managed? And I think it's gonna be managed through Uber, which is our local distribution company. If you look at our communities across Ontario, across the country, they have all declared, or not all, but many have declared climate emergencies. 
So they have community energy plans, they have climate action plans, and a lot of them are working separately or independently. I think what we have to do is start collect these experts and start working together on a concrete plan, on a plan that is not just one-offs, but is scalable in size. And that's really something that's very important. So I think we have to start working more with municipalities. Municipalities actually need more funding. They're the people who are going to make this happen. Okay, I don't think it's going to be at the provincial level. I think it'll be at the local level. We create local jobs doing that. There's local ownership opportunities. There's uh, the concept of uh, joint ventures between the municipality and large companies. And I think that's really going to evolve as we move forward. You'll see more of these strategic alliance joint ventures because we need to have expertise in a bunch of different areas we've never seen before. So we'll have expertise on the distribution of energy. Enbridge Gas is very good at that. We'll have the local distribution companies like uh, Alesha or Burlington Hydro, for example, very close partners of ours, that will look towards helping manage this. And then we'll have the municipalities themselves who have to transform their infrastructure, but they have to be the thought leaders for the community or provide incentives for the community to, to act. So I think that regional partnerships, partnerships with other universities, um, is, is critical right now moving forward as we, we transform our, our energy delivery system. If you look at the region as a whole, each region has its own expertise or has developed partnerships over the past 50 years with industry that have guided them into a certain level of expertise in a certain area. As we move forward, there's going to be a bigger reliance on integration. So part of that integration has to be integration of the expertise of all of these post-secondary schools, all of these communities, and, and all of these small, uh, medium companies that work in our region to work together to actually establish um, this pathway forward. The, the areas of opportunity that will help the transformation are really going to be focused on implementation of our research. And, and what I've found is that we could do excellent research in Canada. But we get to a certain point and all of a sudden the funding grows dry. You know, if you want to start up a company, where do you get the funding to do that first commercialization projects? How do you get to a point where you, you transform your research or your pilot projects to full commercial projects? How do you get that uh, venture capital funding in play? Um, how do you find the leaders that are not the researchers that are going to take that company to the next level. I think that's a huge element of what we need to move forward. Um, another area that I think is going to be having the universities, the municipalities, um, the public take the leadership role in this transformation process. Yes, you're going to make mistakes, but if you do nothing, that's a bigger mistake than making a mistake once in a while. But as you do it, you refine your approach, you standardize your approach. And even it has to be a part of the municipal planning process. So if you're gonna have a new development and you're planning to refurbish an arena or build a new arena, well, why wouldn't you put that close to an intensified community that needs that heat that that, that arena is continuously wasting? So all of this energy and this energy transition has to be a part of our planning process, not just roads, and, and buildings and, and pipelines, now we have to think about carbon as a part of that plan, plan, planning process.
what McMaster brings as expertise to the corridor are our amazing research on transportation and electrification of vehicles. Uh, we have one of the best uh, research teams in Canada, probably the world, developing these uh, net zero uh, transportation systems. Um, it's not just the vehicle. We have a bi-directional charging station here, one of the first in Canada. So that vehicle can connect to the building, can charge the building, or vice versa. Um, if you look at that, that has to be planned, that has to be designed, and it has to be smart and intelligent. If, if you think about as we transform our system, if you put five electric vehicles on a street, you may run into issues associated with delivering energy to that street. You can't have them all plug into the same area or you'll have blackouts or brownouts in that area. So now you have to upgrade your infrastructure. You need new transformers, you need new wires, you even need new poles to support that system. Can we do that differently? Can we do that with artificial intelligence? Can we do that to manage those electric vehicles? Or are there distributed energy resources like PV panels and batteries that can be integrated into adjacent buildings to manage that? Number one, I think is that. The second thing that I think McMaster brings to this uh, project is, is our focus on decarbonization of heating. That's the elephant in the room. If you think about how much heat we need in a cold climate to keep our buildings at 22 degrees Celsius, that's one of the major components of our greenhouse gas emission. So what do we do? We need to start figuring out how do we decarbonize our heating systems. Electrification and heating is one, but that puts another burden on the electrical system. So now you have five EVs on a street and you have a bunch of ground source heat pumps or air source heat pumps or even people putting in electric boilers to decarbonize their home. How do you manage that? And that has to be coordinated. And I think that's what we bring to the table is the understanding of how to integrate the heating systems. And as we decarbonize that towards electrification or uh, harvesting waste energy, our transportation network, as that becomes decarbonized and electric vehicles come in a major source of transportation. And then finally upgrading or integrating the intelligence of our existing infrastructure around um, electricity delivery services. One other core strength McMaster has had uh, for 60 years is our strength in nuclear reactor technology, um, ranging from traditional isotope production like we have on campus right here um, to developing and supporting CANDU. Now our focus is on SMR technology, small modular reactors. Um, that core technology or core expertise is going to be critical moving forward in developing and um, commercializing this technology, be it for um, mines up in the northern Ontario or all the way down to working in our communities or even possibly on campuses where we can transform our campus to a net zero carbon uh, campus by using SMR technology. So I, I think if you look at our long-term plans for net zero uh, economy, net zero Canada, we have to think, start thinking about our resources and our resource utilization. I think we need a national uh, energy inventory. So where do we have energy within our communities? Where is that waste heat? And we need that inventory to come into play so we can start doing this planning process of using that as an asset. So if we have a resource, say it's natural gas, say it's oil, right now we're using that maybe 30% of that energy, that primary energy resource, most of it goes up the chimney, 
Okay, so 60 to 70% of that energy just is, is wasted. Well, why don't we consider that an asset? Why don't we consider that residual energy of a process and use that somewhere else? And I see that for the next five to 10 years, that's gonna be the transformation. Beyond that, now we have to start going away from some of our uh, current fossil fuel usage. Okay, so we start to transition to hydrogen. We look at fuel cells. We possibly use the existing natural gas infrastructure with a fuel cell, solid oxide fuel cell, and have carbon capture associated with that. Or we could transition to biofuels where we have those assets. Canada has so much in, in terms of biofuels. We can integrate and transition the technology from a natural gas to a biofuel. Um, but also there's the opportunity for SMR technology. Canada, Ontario in particular, uh, we rely on nuclear energy for 60% of our electricity. I don't see that going down at all. I actually see that increasing, but I see that increasing at the community level, um, at our industrial plants, at our campuses. Um, and I think that's gonna take some time, uh, but once people realize the opportunity to uh, achieve some of our net zero carbon goals around this technology, and as it matures and it becomes more standardized and the costs come down, I think that's a, a major opportunity for Ontario in particular, is we have this um, existing relationship with nuclear energy that has been very positive because of the can-do technology. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. And please consider rating and reviewing as it helps others to find the show. For more information or to listen to past episodes, go to povhamilton.com.